Hello, hello. Welcome to Irrepressible. I am Erica Ashley. I have a really awesome episode for you guys this week. I have Dr. Shannon Ritchie on the show, and she is a physical therapist who has also created her own workout program. She has a really unique approach to fitness and the fitness industry and how we should really be looking at it. She through her practice, really started seeing a lot of commonalities in injuries through her patients. And she started asking questions and it led her to creating Evlo, which is her, her fitness brand. And um, it's formed around the idea that all fitness isn't created equal and that we are all not created equal. And therefore our workout and fitness routines should reflect that. And I just, I really love her approach. I've been doing her workouts and I've had back pain for a really long time and sometimes occasionally in my left knee. And I always attributed it to my dance life, you know, being in point shoes and and things like that. I've had chiropractors tell me, you know, your feet are this way now because of point shoes. And so I was like, oh, this is probably residual from that. After talking to her, I now am more aware that I actually don't think that that's what it was. I think it's the workouts I've been doing that cause so much stress on your joints, on your spine that just aren't friendly. Um, And it has nothing to do with me being weak or there's something wrong with my body. It's just that there are actually some exercises that just aren't healthy really. And I didn't know that. And I think a lot of us don't know that. And so I'm really excited to share this episode because I feel like the information is new. I feel like I haven't heard anybody else talking about this. She goes into the science. We talked about how can you figure out what does recovery look like for you? How can you create a schedule for you that works for you? If something is bothering you, what should you do about it? kind of all the things and a lot of fitness myths and, you know, also the idea of if you aren't sweaty and exhausted by the end of a workout, was it effective? So she really breaks down all of that. And like I said, I've been doing her workouts and it's been fascinating because she also really explains why you're doing the movement that you're doing. Or if there's an issue with something saying like, Hey, this movement, you might feel it in your back. If you are feeling it, here's the the variation. And the second I switch, I'm like, I don't have the back pain anymore. And so it's just been really eye-opening to the thought that there can be a new approach and that harder isn't always better. And I think she is nailing it with this. So without further ado, I want to jump into this because there's a lot of info and I'm really glad that she came on and talked with us. So my name is Dr. Shannon Ritchie, but no one calls me doctor because I'm a physical therapist, (laughs) but um, I am a physical therapist. I've been teaching yoga group fitness for like 10 plus years and have, um, you know, spent the last 10 years in the fitness industry. And really it wasn't until the last two years or so of my career after graduating PT school and after kind of getting into some personal training after PT school that I really started to have my eyes open to, you know, all of these new 
all of these things in the fitness industry that weren't making sense and things that I was taught in all of my trainings and dozens of fitness certifications. And even in physical therapy school, where as I was starting to learn more about biomechanics after PT school, I really started to realize, wow, there is so much that we have wrong. And there are so many myths and there's so many things that need to be updated and aren't based in science and are probably just based in consumerism. Um, and so I've spent, you know, the last two or three years really educating myself on biomechanics and on the science of fitness and exercise. And I have created an online fitness platform. It's called Evlo Fitness. And in that platform, it's all about how to exercise in more science-based ways. And when you exercise in science-based ways, your results are better and your joints don't feel like crap. I was had a physical therapy practice and all of my clients were fit and active, but they all kind of felt like they were falling apart. And I just realized your workouts shouldn't make you feel worse. They should make you feel better. You shouldn't have to be getting all this maintenance just to put yourself back together because your workouts are tearing you down. So that's kind of my story and where I'm, where I'm at. Um, it's, it's definitely been eye-opening. I've definitely encountered, you know, some resistance to the things I'm talking about because it goes very much against like fitness norms and even things that we learn in physical therapy school. But what I'm finding is that so many people, it's a very wanted change. So um, yeah, that's where I'm at. How did you start noticing this? Was it like common injuries in patients you were seeing or from the same types of workouts or like what really was like, hold on, something's wrong? Yeah. It's interesting. Like overall, I was saying that whether you did yoga or whether you did CrossFit or whether that you did, you know, you were just lifting in the gym on your own or whether you were a runner, all of these different kinds of fitness modalities had their own kind of unique little injuries that were associated with them. So for instance, a lot of the yogis that I saw would have shoulder impingement syndrome, like a lot of them, you know, their, their hips would feel great. Their knees would feel great, but their shoulders and their necks would be the problem. And then, you know, all the CrossFit people I was seeing for them, it was like a lot of back stuff, low back stuff. And so there was these certain injuries that were kind of associated with the, the modality of exercise that you were doing. But what I saw across the board was that these people were very, very fit. And yet they still were dealing with, you know, a whole host of chronic issues. And I just thought that just doesn't add up. Um, it shouldn't be that way. Your workouts should make you more resilient. They shouldn't make you more inflamed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that makes sense. I, for a really long time and even now when I work out, there's certain things like if I do lunges, it makes my low back hurt really bad. And I was always like, oh, I just have like a bad back. But now I'm like, maybe it's because I was doing yoga wrong or like the strain that, you know, um, upward dog does on your lower back, like things like that, where I'm like, I should feel amazing at the end of a yoga class, but instead I'm in pain in my back, like laying there in Shavasana. And so for me, I had to step away from yoga And there's this weird like stigma around doing that. I think when you're like, I should be feeling great and like my body should be flexible and fit and strong, but I can't do these moves. And then there's like, you feel judgment almost from everyone else around you. Like, oh, she can't do downward dog or like whatever it is. Yes. Oh, it's so there, the stigma or the norm in the fitness industry is to jump straight to oh, it's not the exercise's fault. It's your body's fault. 
yeah, you don't have good enough form or you, you need to strengthen this area of your body to fit the mold of this exercise. And I think that's so backwards. I think what we're not looking at as are, what are the forces to your lumbar spine in an upward facing dog? What are the forces to your back in a barbell squat, even if you have perfect form? So I think people get, you know, it's like, strengthen your core and then you'll be better at it. And it's like, well, why don't we just pick an exercise that doesn't stress out your body in the first place? And maybe, you know, maybe you won't ever run into those issues. So, yeah, I mean, I think you're, I think you're not alone in that feeling of being like shamed about it. Um, it's, it's, I, I like to look at it as exercise selection is first form is secondary because gravity and physics does not care how good your form is. And it's interesting because I feel like the types of workouts that are like really pushed nowadays are like the CrossFit and how heavy can you lift and, you know, do leg day, do this, how heavy are your dumbbells? And it's always about like the weight that you're using instead of, and I've, I feel like I've been like this about a lot of things in my life where I'm like, we're all individual, like whatever diet you're on, isn't necessarily going to work for me. My body type is different. I'm built different than you. And so it's, it's actually fascinating to me that the fitness industry doesn't take those things into consideration. They don't. How much you can lift, regardless of what that lift is actually doing to your body mechanically, it's like a badge of honor. Like I can squat X amount of weight. Well, your body proportions might be set up so that your joints can more easily stack and fold. For instance, people with longer torsos and shorter legs are able to physically fold better in a squat because they don't, it's just like a center of mass thing. So those type of people will be able genetically to squat more weight versus somebody with long legs like I have, um, and they have to tip forward more in their spine. So their spine is more of a limiting factor and therefore they won't be able to lift as much weight, but no one talks about that. People just talk about like, um, you know, oh, I can squat more than that person can. And it's like, well, we're not, why are we not thinking about genetics? Why are we not thinking about how um, your body structure, the length of your limbs will actually dictate how much you can lift? So I don't at all think it's about weight. I think it's about mechanics. It's about the length of your levers, the length of your legs, the length of your arms. And it's also about what your joint structures can tolerate and handle. So if somebody like me, like I don't have an education in fitness, how does somebody know what their body can and can't handle? Well, a few things like without, you know, getting too much into biomechanics, um, in the fitness, because there's, you know, that, that all has to do with physics and, you know, we could probably do an entirely different podcast, just like going on, going through the one-on-one of that. And it's really, really interesting. But I think generally like many traditional lifts in the fitness industry or exercises in the fitness industry are kind of uncomfortable and you can kind of feel it. Like for instance, um, a lateral lift. So like when you're reaching, when you have a weight in your arm, for those people that aren't watching me, I'm doing it with my arm, but I know this is audio, so you can see, um, lifting your arm out to the side next to you for your shoulders. 
if you really think about it, it's not very comfortable, right? And you have to use momentum at the top and like no one really loves those. Like it's just, it just feels like it doesn't yeah. feel great. Yes, exactly. Like she's pointing to her upper list. Yeah. That she's pointing to her, her upper trap and like her neck. And that exercise actually does, again, back to the physics, it does load the upper traps more than it does the shoulders. So you can kind of start to get intuitive with your body. Like you're like, I know that this is supposed to target this muscle, but I don't feel it there. And it actually just kind of hurts and it feels uncomfortable. And I have to like swing my body at the top to finish the movement. Those are some telltale signs that, okay, something is not right here. And it's probably not your form. It's probably the physics of the exercise. Mm -hmm. And um, there's so, I, I mean, I could name like, 20 just off the top of my head of exercises that I just don't do anymore because it's like, I always have to weigh the risk and reward. The reward always has to be higher than the risk. If the risk is, you know, you could injure a joint, you could easily injure a joint structure. You could in easily feel that or target the wrong muscle. Um, you know, you could easily strain a smaller muscle that has to compensate. And the reward is like, eh, I just kind of feel my neck. I don't even really feel my shoulders working. Then it's like, why are we doing it? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, to answer your question, I think getting intuitive about this doesn't feel right. Maybe I should try something else. What are some of those examples of exercises you don't do? You don't have to name all of them, but just. Yeah. So the, the lateral raise is one of them. And I have, I go through on my social media, I like break down a lot of these things. Um, sometimes it helps to have images and stuff like that yeah. to kind of visualize what's happening, but a lateral lift, um, I don't do anymore. And I do it in a different way. We actually do it laying on our side. And what that does is it just distributes the gravity a little bit differently so that you feel it more in your shoulder and less in your neck. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't often do, I was just talking about this on my story today, um, upright rows. I think that those are kind of pinchy on the shoulder, up dog. What else? Um, some of them are like kind of gray, like squats, especially with heavy bars on your back. I'm not a huge fan of, and I know that the, in, the fitness industry will freak out if I, <laughs> if I ever say that I'm kind of going on record for the first time saying that I'm not a huge fan of barbell squats. And they get a great rep because they're quote unquote functional. But again, what is the risk that you're putting your body through for the reward? The risk is when you have a heavy bar on your back, you're compressing all of the vertebra in your spine. And then you're further loading that because your body has to, your spine or trunk or your torso has to lean forward um, as you squat. If, if you've ever done a squat, you know, you have kind of have to hinge mm -hmm. forward. And so you're loading your spine downward and then you're also loading it because it has to hinge forward. So can it be a great exercise for the glutes? Yes. Is it worth the potential stress for the back? I don't think so. I think there's other exercises that you can do that will strengthen the glutes without the stress to the spine. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think those are a few of the big ones that I'm jump, jump back to plank. I don't do that anymore. Um, yeah, I think those are a few of the big ones. Are you opposed to using weights or can you still use weights in a safe way that it's not compressing things like your spine or hurting your shoulders? I love using weights. In fact, I think it's necessary. Mm -hmm. I think it's just a matter of doing it in a way that more matches how the muscle contracts and moves and also considering what other structures am I putting in harm's way? And can I stabilize my body more 
and get better muscular output for less stress through my joints. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know I'm being so ambiguous. I feel like I, (laughs) we can continue to go through examples if that helps, but, um, absolutely. I think it's so, so important to use weight, but at the same time, there's lots of body weight exercises that actually place more force and, and are more beneficial for the muscles than a similar exercise using heavy weights. I actually love examples. I love like the details. Um, I think it just paints a really good picture for everyone. So if you have some examples, I'd love to hear them. Yep. Yep. Let's go through one. Again, I put this on my social media for anybody that wants to go like see the visual, but a, um, a squat holding 40 pounds. And I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I calculate, I can calculate exactly how much force is going through which muscle a squat holding 40 pounds actually works your quads less than, um, a a reverse Nordic curl where you're on your knees and you're kind of like leaning back, like your, your whole torso is straight and you kind of, you do a lean back. I call it a matrix move because it looks like you're like, okay, when you like like, hinge backwards, yes, you hinge backwards. It kind of looks like you're defying gravity that, that move using just your body weight actually will work the quads more than a squat holding like 40 pounds or a hundred pounds. And it's all because of the levers, the amount of how long the lever is to the muscle that you're trying to work. Mm. Um, so like, if you think about holding a hammer, if you hold a hammer, like close to the hammerhead and try to hit it, it's a lot less force than if you hold a hammer at the end of the hammer and then try to hit it. So the same thing um, can be applied in every single exercise and should be applied in every single exercise that you're doing. So what happens with those two exercises is in the squat, I've got the 40 pounds and it's actually less work through the quads, but it's more compression through my spine. So I'm getting more spinal compression, less work through my quads than if I were just to do the reverse Nordic curl, that's zero downward compression because I have no weight, but it's more work to my quads. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then what's an example where using weights is more beneficial than not using a weight? Well, I'll just talk about one of my favorite exercises, which is for the triceps, which is a skull crusher when you're Mm -hmm. like on your back and you're bending your elbows and doing this. If you don't have weight in your hand, you can't load the muscle. Like you just won't, it'll feel far too easy. And that's how it is with a lot of exercises. Like you know, just going through the range of motion, just with your body weight. I mean, you can flex and like try to contract that muscle as hard as you can, but unless you're physically loading it with external weight, you might not, you won't get the same, the same results. Um, muscle has to be built from with load Mm -hmm. and whether that's, you are using a weight, you're using your body weight, you're, um, orientating yourself with gravity, or you're flexing and contracting as hard as you can, but muscles have to grow by being loaded. So that's why weights are so important. That makes sense. Okay. I want to talk about some of like the myths around this. I know we've touched on it a little bit, but I want to talk about if, I guess this idea that if you're not sweaty and tired and exhausted by the end of your workout, it wasn't effective. This is something that I deal with, with almost all of my clients. It is a big shift because again, the fitness industry sells on, you know, that immediate gratification where you, you, uh, walk out of the gym or you walk out of a fitness class and you're dripping in sweat and you look down at your fitness watch and you've burned, you know, you've burned 500 calories and you get that immediate dopamine hit of like, oh yes, like I just killed it. Like 
And that dopamine hit will keep you coming back. But working harder and, you know, just pushing your body without specifically loading your muscles is just kind of like spinning your wheels. It's like trying to drive through mud and the wheels are spinning and you're, you know, using fuel, but your engine's not going anywhere. Your car is not going anywhere. So yes, you might sweat and yes, you might burn calories and that might be good in the short term for like, you know, fat loss because you, you get into a caloric deficit. But really, when we're talking about long-term results, you want to build muscle. And sometimes your lifts, you know, you're not dripping in sweat by the end of a lifting session sometimes. It just depends on the muscle groups that you're working. Some smaller muscle groups don't use very much energy, so they're not going to require as much blood and oxygen. Therefore, your heart rate won't get up as much. Therefore, you won't sweat as much. But does that mean that you did less of an effective workout? No, because gaining muscle will lead to long-term results. One pound of muscle burns an additional like 50 to hundred calories per day, just resting. So if you have, you know, five pounds of muscle on your frame, five more pounds of muscle, you could be burning an additional 500 calories per day in your sleep. So that's how you start to, re- to not lean on your workouts to burn your energy and burn off what you're eating. And that's how you really start to see true results long-term and you're not getting the unnecessary repetition that you often have to get in those like sweaty classes and you're you know you're not you're not unnecessarily stressing out your joints because of the high repetition. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's yeah, it's just more like um just cuz you can't see the immediate result doesn't mean that it's not doing inner work, I guess. Exactly. I always tell my clients look for muscular fatigue afterwards. There's this process when you are building muscle called inroading, and it means that you get temporary weakness of your muscles when you've exhausted your muscles to a certain point. So have you ever done a workout and you like feel like you almost like want to fall over because your legs are like almost weaker. So what you're doing by building muscles is by building muscle, you are temporarily creating, you're making them weaker Mm -hmm. in the process. And that's where recovery comes in because you have to recover and then your body builds it back stronger. Stronger muscles actually come from recovery. Your workouts break your muscles down. So um, what I always tell my clients is to look for that temporary weakness, like that feeling of like, oh, I'm fatigued and I actually feel weaker after my workouts, but your joints don't hurt. Because mm. so, like you said, um, so many people are like, I'm tired, but my back hurts. Or like I had a killer workout, but like my knees kind of ache. That's an indication that you were putting force through your body in inappropriate ways and actually causing more inflammation rather than causing more muscle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's talk about recovery. How, how do you approach recovery? Because I think, I think one, a lot of people don't know, or like, how long should I recover? How long until I can work out my legs again? do I really need it? What is the point? Like, I feel bored and I want to work out today. I feel like there's a lot of uh, opinions around recovery. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of misinformation about that too. I mean, people think that, you know, the hashtag no days off, like yeah, that actually can start, you can start to regress by not taking recovery. Cause like I said, muscle is built in the recovery. Mm-hmm. So as far as like how much time you want to spend recovering, it depends on this, how much stress you put 
through your body in your workouts. So for instance, if you completely fatigued your glutes, let's say on Monday, and you really worked them and you, you got to that inroading point where they were temporarily weaker, you, you want to wait like four, sometimes 10 days before you work that muscle group again. Yeah. I mean, think about it this way. Like when you have a scrape on your skin, like even a small scrape can take sometimes like a full week to fully heal. Right. So what a lot of people do is they'll want like bigger glutes or like mm-hmm. more ripped abs. Those are like the two common ones. So they'll do the, they'll do exercises that target those muscle groups every single day, thinking that the more they do exercises, the better results they'll get. But to bring it back to the scrape example, it's kind of gross, sorry, but it's like picking a scab. Like if you continue to pick at it, it's not going to heal. Mm -hmm. It's just going to continue to be more vulnerable. You're going to spin in inflammation and that skin won't have the chance to grow back stronger. So I always say recovery is your friend. If you are working your muscles to fatigue, if you're not working your muscles enough, recovery doesn't matter, right? Because you didn't have that breakdown to begin with. Mm -hmm. So for people who are like Monday's leg day, Tuesday is cardio, Wednesday is arms, abs, whatever. That's not a good schedule. That's actually what we do in my membership. Yeah, we do. We do splits. So we do like Monday is legs, Tuesday is upper body, Wednesday is core, Um, Thursday is like a yoga class. It's optional. And then Friday is full body. But what I do is like, if we, on Mondays, if we hit our glutes really hard and I know we're going to do that in full body on Friday, we're not going to work our glutes again. We're going to wait till the following week. Mm -hmm. So, um, even though it's full body, I might not include an exercise, a glute exercise in that day, because I know that the members need some additional additional recovery time. So yeah, I I like doing it that way because then you can kind of work out more days in a week, which people like to do. People like to have that kind of daily time. It's almost like therapeutic. Yeah. So, so, um, by splitting up the muscle groups that you're working, that can be a great way to like spread out your workouts more, but then, you know, I, I, what I do is I take two full days off where I only like, you know, I'll go golfing or walk or like play pickleball or something, but I'm not doing resistance training on my Saturdays and Sundays. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's better to have an approach of like Mondays are leg day, Tuesdays cardio like that, as opposed to somebody who's like, today, I feel like doing yoga tomorrow. I'm going to do Pilates. I'm going to do like when it's a random schedule, is that also not good for you? That's, that's an interesting question because you know, there's something to be said about consistency and consistently like working to build strength is important. Mm -hmm. However, especially for women, I think it's important to listen to your intuition because, you know, our hormones are very much going to dictate how well we will be able to tolerate a workout. Mm-hmm. Um, and that this is definitely not like my area of expertise per se, but I do understand that it's important if you're, you're coming to your mat one day and you're feeling sluggish and it could be a hormonal thing. And by like pushing your body to its breaking point, that might not be what is best for your body. You know, mm-hmm. you could be causing more inflammation and more damage and more hormonal issues by doing that. So while I do think that for the most part being consistent and like having a schedule where you're like, okay, Monday I do legs, Tuesday I do upper body, whatever 
is great for the most part. But if you show up one week and you're like, I just need to take this week and just do yoga and then I'll get back to it. I actually see sometimes when you do that, you see better results than just trying to like white knuckle through when you're exhausted and you're hormonal and you have all these issues kind of going on. So it's a little bit of both to answer your question. Okay. That makes sense. Um, the other thing I see a lot when it comes to people and the way they schedule their workouts is I see people doing like half in the morning and half at night. Like maybe they'll do their cardio in the evening and weights in the morning. Is that too much? Is that overload? It depends on what you're doing in each session. So if you are working your upper body in the morning and then you are doing cardio at night, you know, those are two very different parts of your body. So like your, your upper body could potentially recover while you're working your lower body in, you know, cardio. Cardio is something that is one of those other like fitness norms that everyone thinks that they should have. And it's actually not as necessary as we think it is. So you could be potentially putting more repetition, unnecessary repetition through your body. Um, when really you can get a lot of your cardio benefits from just lifting weights. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've ever done like a weight session where you're like, I am like gassed, like my heart is pumping because not to like diverge too much, but your heart and lungs don't know the difference whether you are sprinting at 100% effort or whether you're lifting a weight at 100% effort. All they know is that there's increased demand for blood and oxygen to your tissues so that your heart and lungs have to work faster so your cardio gets up. So in my opinion, you might as well lift the weight at 100% effort and get the strength training and the cardio and not get quite so much force and stress through your joints. Mm -hmm. I think, and I don't know if maybe this is, something you have an answer for, but I often hear like, oh, you want the endorphins from the cardio, but you can also get endorphins from weights, right? Yep, exactly. Endorphins are a stress response. So endorphins, uh, norepinephrine, epinephrine, cortisol, all of those hormones happen when you exercise to a point where your body then sees the exercise as a stress and as a threat. So it's almost like we go back to our primitive, our primitive beings of like being chased by a tiger. That's what your brain thinks is happening when you're exercising. So it releases those stress hormones. What those stress hormones do is they kind of, they kind of make you feel high. Like they elevate all of you and they actually also mask things like pain and discomfort and things like that. So the reason you feel high and the reason you kind of feel good is because you have those quote unquote endorphins, but they're actually stress hormones. So now that's not a bad thing. As long as you're bringing it back down, as long as you're not doing it so much that you're in this constant state of stress and you're just layering stress on top of stress, as long as you're bringing it back down to the, what's that called that parasympathetic state, which is the rest, digest and heal so that you can actually heal from the stress that you've done in your body. But can you get those same endorphins from lifting weights? Absolutely. It's just all goes back to how much quote unquote stress you're putting through your body. Weightlifting is stress, right? Because every time you lift a weight, you're breaking down your muscle, you're breaking down tissue, you're causing damage, your body like senses that as a stress and it releases those endorphins. So Mm -hmm. you do not need to do cardio to get the endorphins. Yeah. To answer your question. I'm going off. <laughs> I love it. I'm like, keep telling me, like, I want it all. <laughs> okay, good, 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 good. 
you mentioned earlier about fitness trackers and I want to touch on this because this is something that I've fallen in the trap of before. I had a Fitbit for a while. I had an Apple watch. They're out the window because I feel like I was addicted to what this stupid watch was telling me. How many steps did you take? How many calories did you burn? Oh, yesterday I burned three more calories than I did today. I'm not in a good head. I can't do it. How, well, one, do you recommend anybody ever even use that? And if not, like, how do you find a balance with that to not be like, I, my life is ruled by numbers. This is such a good question. I think that those fitness watches were designed to encourage people who were sedentary to get more activity. Mm -hmm. I do not think that they were designed for the people that were already killing themselves in the gym because those people are doing it anyways. And, and then all of a sudden, when you add on this almost competition with yourself to really push yourself further and further, you start to, you know, see your health as a number. You start to see your health as like, I mean, I've, I've been there too. Like I counted every calorie in and every calorie out. And I will never forget, like in the brink of when I was, you know, like that and like I would sometimes run in place in my apartment, like oh, at the yeah. end of the day, I, I feel like I'm not the only person that is done. like, if I didn't burn enough in my workouts, I would like run in place. Oh, I would walk in circles until I hit like the steps count or whatever. Like it's, I think about it and I'm like, I was crazy. Like that is a crazy thing to do. You are not alone. Like, I think that the, those fitness watches, some people, especially, like I said, if you're sedentary and if you have a healthy relationship with it and you're not doing things like that, like mm-hmm. that you and I were doing, I think, great, do it. Yeah. But if it's making you crazy and it's making you obsessive, that's not the purpose of exercise. Like the purpose of exercise, again, is to make you more mentally healthy and, and help, help your, you know, how your body feels. And if you are reducing your fitness to numbers, many times, and you've probably been through this too, you will do whatever in your workouts to hit a certain number, despite the amount of force that it puts through your body, despite, you know, the side effects, despite the potential damage that you're doing to yourself. As long as you hit that number, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. You could be crawling out of the gym with your back feeling like crap and your knees aching, but like I hit my 500 calories, so I'm good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that if you can have a healthy relationship with it, I say go for it. But I know, you know, a lot of people that I talk to have a hard time. If somebody's been like in this trap, like so many of us have been, I have to sweat till I'm collapsing and my back's in pain and workout, workout, workout. How can you find a balance of like, I'm going to reel it back. I'm going to listen to my body um, because I feel like that's a, it's hard for a lot of people to be like, I was over here and now I need to be over here. It, it feels like very polarizing. Yes, exactly. And to be honest with you, like I have people that join my membership because they're like, I want to, to do that. And I want to reframe my, my mind around exercise, but ultimately they end up, they end up stopping because they're not ready. They're like, I, for whatever reason, I still can't get past it. I can't get past the need to feel like I need to, you know, hit it as hard as I can. Yeah. And that is totally fine. And like, if you're, 
but I, I will say that there is a huge growing number of people who are like, I'm fed up. I'm done. I'm done. You know, yes, I might look like cut and amazing, but my body hurts and I can't, you know, chase my kids around the lawn and I can't like, I can't lift a teapot because my shoulder hurts so bad. It's like they get to that point and they're, and not everybody does by the way, but you know, a good amount of people do. And so they get to that point and they're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to change. I'm ready to change. So first off, it's about being ready. Mm -hmm. And then second off, it's about rewiring your brain with practice. And what I try to do in all of my classes is, you know, your brain has troubles shifting to a new belief until it has evidence, until it has facts, until it has things that like logic that makes sense. But when you can educate yourself along the way, and that's what I try to do in my classes is like educate on the science. This is why we're doing it in this way. And this is why this will actually lead to better results. Your brain can start to be like, oh, okay, well that makes sense. I guess I don't have to kill myself like I thought I did. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that education is huge. That's why I love that you are doing this podcast because I think you know, educating people will help empower them. Yeah. Um, and just, and just knowing that you can be fit. I'm the strongest I've ever been in my life. And I work out for the least amount of time that I ever have. And I don't, I don't wear a fitness watch. I probably do not burn very many calories in my workouts, like at all, mm-hmm. but I, I have zero chronic pain. I used to have horrible chronic pain all over my body. I have zero chronic pain. I'm stronger than I've ever been. And it just goes to show that you don't have to kill yourself to be fit and, and feel good. Yeah. I want to ask you about your diet. I know, I know that's not necessarily like where you fully are, but are you, do you have that same approach with food? Yes. Um, it didn't used to be that way. I used to very much like eat like a bird. I, (laughs) um, ate, like, I was just laughing before I was married. I I had like rice cakes for dinner mm-hmm. and like, that is not enough. I would have like a smoothie for lunch, power bars and like a rice cake. And then, you know, on the weekends I would eat like everything. Cause I was just starving. Yeah. And I mean, I was having a whole host of health issues. Like I was getting night terrors at night. Like I would wake up screaming, like it was terrible. Mm. And I went to all these different doctors and I was like, what's wrong with me? And they were like, eat, you know, try melatonin, try like all this stuff. And I was like, that's not working. They were like, Oh, it's your screen time. Like stop being on your phone. And I was like, cool. You know, that didn't work. And so finally I went to a functional medicine doctor here in Durham and she said, well, first off, you are not eating enough. Mm for the amount of like intense workouts you're doing. And then number two, she said, you're eating so often and you're eating so much sugar. Like I was eating tons of smoothies and power bars and oatmeal and like peanut butter and honey and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I thought it was healthy. Yeah. But she was like, so she put me on intermittent fasting and that completely changed my life. Like I have not had a night terror. I have so much better energy it is the best. So what I do now is I will fast between, you know, 10 hours, sometimes on like a lighter day. And then sometimes like 14 hours and I eat big meals when I do eat. So like this morning I had like brunch around, no, no, no. Today I had like lunch at 12 Mm -hmm. and I had 
like two eggs, salsa, a salmon cake, like sauteed spinach, half an avocado, sweet potatoes. Like it was a big plate. Like I eat a lot when I do eat, but I eat infrequently. So I, I, I usually eat like two meals a day and I try to limit snacking, but I will be satisfied until seven o'clock tonight. Um, so it is, I'm not by no means am I recommending anything about nutrition. Like that's not my scope, but I've found that that has been like a game changer for me. Yeah. I was just, I was really curious because I feel like sometimes people are like super fitness or super like into nutrition. And like, I always am curious of like, how do you, when you're not working out, what are you doing the rest of the day? Because I think that also, well, I know food can be really inflammatory and I'm sure if you're not eating the right foods and then you're working out doing things that aren't good for your body, it's just a disaster. Oh, it's a disaster. It's such a downward spiral. I mean, I, I was just talking to my friend yesterday about this. I was like, I was eating whatever I wanted on the weekends and then like destroying myself the next week in my workouts. And that's like, I, I might've looked thin, but like, I was not healthy. Like I didn't feel healthy. And that's what so many people do. They'll rely on their workouts to uh, burn off what they've eaten, like their bad food decisions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it just doesn't work. Like, I mean, it might work in the short term, but you can't sustain that because your, your body will just fall apart. Yeah. If somebody has an injury, like we were talking about caused from, you know, maybe whatever workout they've been doing, do you recommend like, okay, go to physical therapy or do you just recommend a change in workout approach or is it both? Is it individual case by case? I'm just curious if somebody's like, oh, okay, I've been having back pain. And now after listening to this, I think I need to reel it back. But like, do I also need help from someone? It, it is a little bit case by case, but I will say that usually when I ask somebody what kind of workout they're doing and they tell me and I tell them, okay, come, come join my program. And if you don't feel better after a month, then go to physical therapy. And 99% of the time people come back and they're like, oh my gosh, like I did not realize how bad my back hurt and how much I was putting my body through in my workouts. Because again, like, just like we touched on the beginning of this interview, it's so much more about what exercises you're choosing rather than like your, the form. Mm -hmm. So not all exercises are created equal by any means. And so you're, if you are feeling pain from your workouts and it's becoming chronic, like every once in a while, you know, like it's normal to have twinges here and there. And it's like that that's pretty normal. But if you're like, this is reoccurring, this has been going on for like a month or longer, it's time to really take a good look at your workouts. And that's what I say. That's the first thing you want to look at is look at your workouts. Look how much stress you're putting through your body. Um, change that. And if it's still there and it hasn't gotten any better, then go get checked out by a practitioner. But if it's to the point where you're like, I can't walk, I can't do my daily life, then bypass all of that and go see, go see somebody for sure. Yeah. How do you feel about like Theraguns and that kind of like, or like a foam roller for recovery? Do you, do you do active recovery and things like that? Or more like just rest, take a bath, like chill. Yeah. Great question. So foam rollers and their guns, they feel good. And if they feel good and that's why you're doing them, then great. But I don't, 
the, the science on them isn't super solid. Mm -hmm. So they're not, they might not really be doing much for your recovery because the damage is already done and your immune system just has to come in and clean up the damage. Mm -hmm. You know, massaging it with something probably isn't going to do much. I mean, the, like the, the argument is that it increases blood flow and you can increase blood flow by like moving around and like, you know, moving your body, yeah. <laughs> you don't necessarily need to like hammer away with a massage gun. And the risk of using a massage gun or a foam roller is that you apply too much pressure and then you inflame it more and piss mm. it off more. And then you actually delay your healing. So I'm not a huge fan of those recovery tools just because I think that there's a fine line between them feeling good and just kind of like relaxing you and like pissing off the muscle and the tissue more. Mm -hmm. So my recommendation for active recovery is just move your body. Like, um, you know, you want to move every day and in different planes of motion. I have like tons of mobility videos that, you know, you're just like some cat and cows, you're moving your shoulders, movement and circular motions of all of your joints and, you know, motion is lotion. So, um, but more than anything, yeah, you do need the time. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to ask one more question and this is for anyone who feels like they're not where they want to be at physically. Maybe you're overweight, maybe you're underweight, maybe you have an injury. How can you approach fitness from like a body positive perspective when you're not there yet? That's like the million dollar question. And I truly, one of my things that I really try to emphasize is respect for your body. Because if you try to hate yourself skinny or you try to hate yourself into a muscular body or you try to hate yourself to healing, you might get there, but you're still going to be in the exact same spot mentally. So I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it's sure happened to me, especially around my wedding when I was like a psycho and trying to like get as skinny as I could. Like I looking back at pictures, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was the skinniest I've ever been. But at the time I was not, it was not enough. And it's never going to feel like enough until you are satisfied and respect your body exactly how it is. And I know that is so cliche and it takes practice. It takes rewiring our body because we are so socially conditioned to believe that how we look is equals our worth. Um, so, you know, that's something that we have to practice in my classes every day. And I tell my classes almost at the end of every single class, you've done enough you are enough because people, you know, they look down at their fitness watch and they're like, okay, I got to go run in place. I got to go walk around my apartment a little bit more to like burn off more calories. So it's a daily practice of rewiring and it's not, it's not easy. You know, we've been socially conditioned for years, our lifetime to believe that, you know, the way our bodies look is the end all be all. Yeah. Okay. Where can everybody find you? Um, so you can find me on Instagram. I'm Dr. Shannon DPT, Dr. Shannon DPT, uh, evlofitness.com, E-V-L-O-fitness.com. That's my membership platform. There's a seven day free trial. Um, those are the two main ones. People can DM me. I love, I love connecting with people over DMs. I spend like three hours a day in my DMs. I love it. Um, and yeah, that's it. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's so fun.